Hello and welcome to the Heal Your Heart, Heal Your Life podcast, podcast where we talk about all things that have helped mend our broken hearts and move us towards healing our trauma. So this will be a mixture of guest speakers as well as myself talking about topics that we've worked on, worked through, and how have we done that so that we ourselves who listen to this podcast can also take those ideas on board and maybe find a better version of ourselves so we can ultimately heal our life too. So I'll be your host, Kiara Jade. I'm a relationship consultant and self-worth consultant. And I'll be your host moving forward. So welcome and enjoy the ride. Um, So today's topic, episode one, is what grief and loss taught me about life. So find it quite fitting at the moment. It is the 10 year anniversary of my father's passing, passed when I was 18. Um, And I wanted to commemorate that by coming on here and sharing my journey and what I've learned from the journey in the hopes that maybe this might help someone who might be going through some complex grief at the moment. We know COVID's been a really horrific um, time for people grieving because there hasn't been funerals or you haven't been able to have that final closure of seeing someone whenever you want because you can't just go to the hospital because they won't let you in. It's been a really, really tough time for people grieving. And I hope that maybe someone out there listens to this and thinks, I can do that too, or I'm going to survive this. Um, So my heart goes out to if you're grieving at the moment. It's a tough time to be grieving anytime, but it's especially tough time at the moment. So what did grief and loss teach me about life? So originally I thought grief and loss was just if someone passes away. And I had a very narrow definition of grief and loss, but I've realised that grief and loss extends out into all aspects of our life. You can grieve over the loss of a job. If you loved your job, if your job was so much a part of your identity and then suddenly it's gone or you've been made retrenched or you did everything in your power to keep that job and it was still taken away from you, you can still grieve this process because that was something that was important to you and now it's gone and you need to let it go in some way and that is to process that is the grieving process. So. <clears throat> the way I see grief and loss is someone or something that was very important to you that you loved, that you had um, that connection with is now gone. It doesn't have to be a good relationship as well. It can be a relationship maybe that was a bit rocky that, you know, you had ups and downs with. You can still grieve someone even if you weren't that close, but um, you're grieving the loss of something that was important in your life. Um And so the definition is a lot more broad than what people imagine it to be. It can be a job, can be a pet, can be a person, can be a relationship. Maybe you thought you saw yourself with someone for the rest of your life and suddenly, you know, you've gotten divorced and you almost have to grieve that entire mental projection of what your life was going to look like that is now kind of disintegrated. Um, And that can be really hard for people because these are kind of things that they thought they would be doing for the rest of their lives. So it's completely natural and normal to feel grief and loss even in your personal life, even if someone hasn't passed away. Um, No person's grief is bigger than anyone else's. 
I think sometimes people like to be like, oh, my grief is the worst because of X, Y, Z. But I don't think you can put a label on whose grief is worse. I think everyone goes through grief and loss in their own way. Everyone processes it differently. And you can't compare apples to oranges because you don't know how they're responding to things. You don't know how you're responding to things. You might have been through the most horrific situation but you might also be someone with really high levels of resilience where you can actually process that a bit easier than maybe someone else who, um, you know, struggles with that kind of thing. So no person's grief is any worse than anyone else's. I think we just have to take it as it, as it comes and acknowledge that everyone is kind of going through their own stuff. Um, so when I lost my father, um, we were a tight-knit family. We were pretty close. So this was really one of the worst years of my life. So it was unexpected. It was sudden. And sudden grief is always difficult in the way that you don't get to say goodbye and you didn't see it coming. So one day your life is just chugging along completely normally and the next day it is completely decimated and just trying to work through what just happened um, is a big one. You've got a whole heap of that sense of denial there because you didn't expect this at all. And then you've got the other flip side of the coin where maybe someone's been diagnosed with cancer and so you know it's coming. You, pretty much the grief process begins when that person gets diagnosed because suddenly there's that part in the back of your mind that goes, they might not be here for much longer. So the perks are that you get to say goodbye and you get to spend extra time with them. But the harder part is in that scenario, not that we can compare, um, that unfortunately you see your loved one deteriorate and you see how much pain they're in and how much they're struggling. And that can be really challenging in itself. Whereas myself, who went through sudden grief, I, well, we saw a bit of that, but not very much at all. It was just here and then gone pretty much. Um, so. There is different types of grief and grief can be very challenging no matter, you know, what scenario you end up with. Um, I learned the five stages of grief. I didn't realise there was a theoretical knowledge base behind this, but the little nerd that I am, a psychology nerd, was um, went through all of the, the textbooks to find out about grief and loss. So, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote a book about the five stages of grief and loss. And this is debatable. People say that there might be six stages, things like that, um, do your own research. But I guess the most universally agreed on stages of grief are denial, as I've mentioned before. So just that feeling of this can't be happening. I'm imagining that they will walk straight through that door, even though I know consciously that they passed away yesterday. Um, it's just that part of you that I guess clings on to the past and clings on to the hope that, you know, this was all a dream and that it didn't actually happen. Um, and denial will last various amounts of time depending on your situation. So like I said, the cancer situation, you've been through the denial probably already by the time that person has passed. There's probably going to be a little resurgence of it, of course, but it's probably going to last less amount of time than someone who has had a sudden death where one minute everything was chugging along and then the next minute it's, it's completely different. Um, the next phase is bargaining. So bargaining for that person back, like, God, why couldn't you take me instead? 
why does it have to be this way? Can't we change something? Like just, just questioning the universe and just not being sure how is this something that has happened and how can we fix it? Because as human beings, we try to fix everything. The next stage is depression. They go, there's no like linear order to these stages. So you might start with depression and then find denial and then find bargaining or the complete opposite way around. Things change. Um, you'll go through one stage, you'll think you'll be done and then you'll come back another time to it again. You flow in and out of these stages quite fluidly. So depression. So feeling that the gravity of the situation really hit you and pretty much this overwhelming sense of sadness, this overwhelming sense of like I'm really struggling to accept this and I'm really struggling. I don't want to live in a world where I'm dealing with this grief and loss. Like I just want to go back to my old world. Um, and of course, yeah, just, just that feeling that you can't get up in the morning, you can't do these things anymore because it's just too hard. Um, this can include tears. It can include no tears. I went through a phase of my depression phase where I just couldn't cry at all, which is not like me at all when completely out of character. I'm normally a huge crier. <laughs> um and that really told me that I was really struggling with something at that time because it just was numbness that's where it came across the depression aspect for me at that point um so again this can look different for everyone um but it mimics um a similar sort of way that depression mental illness would look although clinically it's not diagnosable. So they say that if you're going through grief and loss, you should not be diagnosed with depression because you're going through grief and loss, like it's a stage. Um, and then if there's a certain amount of time in the DSM-5, I think it's I think it's a year, don't quote me on that, um, a year after the grief and loss that they say that you then potentially can be diagnosed with depression, although I feel like a year is definitely not nowhere near long enough to process your grief and loss. But Anyway, um, I digress. Um, anger is one of the other stages. So feeling just frustrated. I was never an angry person and all of a sudden I was angry at the world. I was angry at people who didn't understand. Um, I think you find when you are grieving, you suddenly are in this membership of a group of people who are grieving and the people who've never been through that sometimes can really struggle to converse with you. And sit with your pain because they've never actually experienced it um you'll find varying degrees of people who understand and don't understand and I think there is a safety and a connection that grows between people who have been through grief and loss because they can understand where the other person's coming from that's not to say that no one else who hasn't been through this experience can understand there's plenty of great counselors out there there's plenty of great people who get it out there, regardless of their circumstance. Maybe they've had depression and they get you better than anyone right now. Um, but that is to say that there will be a lot of people around you who suddenly can't have that conversation with you and you'll feel uncomfortable talking about it to them, even though you should never feel uncomfortable with your grief. Um, so anger will come up unexpectedly about the littlest things. For me, it was like, how dare you do this to me? If I was in your position, I would be more empathetic to my situation because I'm a highly empathetic person. And I had to stop and think, hang on a minute, just because I'm a highly empathetic person does not mean that the world is highly empathetic around me. And can I really have that expectation of other people to 
be who I expect them to be. But that was a whole journey in itself that didn't come overnight. Um, anger at the world, anger at, you know, God or source or whoever's up there in the universe for you. Um, anger at the person sometimes, like, how did they, how did this happen? You know, anger at yourself, like just anger for anyone and anything really will pop up when you're grieving. Um, I was never an angry person and suddenly I was angry all the time and I had to build strategies around that. I had to scream into pillows sometimes or throw a basketball against the wall, just kind of let it out, process it. And finally, the last stage is acceptance. So it's debatable when the acceptance stage will start or end. It really, I think, depends on how much you process what you're going through. And you might think you've accepted it one day and then, you know, the one year anniversary comes up and then you're completely back to where you started. It's like I said, it's not linear. We don't just get to acceptance and we're healed. You'll go one step forward, two steps back all the time. And that's normal. Don't be hard on yourself for it. So acceptance, the way I can describe that is a feeling of, you know, I would never wish this upon anyone and I wish this wasn't my life, but I accept that it is and that, you know, I'm going to have to move forward, unfortunately, with the loss of this person. And how do I do that in the best way possible? So there's a level of you're not denying it. You're not bargaining anymore. You're not angry at the world anymore. You've accepted the fact that this has happened and you still love that person no less. And there's that part of your soul that's not as restless about it all anymore. You've kind of let go of struggling with it in a way. Um, and some people might never get to acceptance. Um, I think it can be really hard sometimes when, you, when, it, when it's not socially acceptable to process these emotions um, that people kind of get stuck in them and don't know how to move forward because they've never been able to express that fully. Um, but most people do get to acceptance, so don't stress too much about that. So worst time of my life, right? Um, I barely even remember the first year. It's trauma memories, right? Like in one ear and out the other. That was my entire first year of grieving. I was emotional. I was all over the place. I was not myself. I was a ghost, really. I was here, but I was not here. That's how it felt because I was in my head all the time and I wasn't really present. Um, you managed to get by. You managed to live your life. Like I went to university for the first time. No, no I went to the university and I completed my course for that year. Um, I did a lighter load because I didn't want a full full load. Um, and somehow managed to do that, pass everything fine. Um, but it's on like autopilot mode, right? Um, and yeah, your emotions are all over the place. In the beginning, I had denial, so I didn't really have any emotions at all. Well, I had emotions, but it was a lot more stunted. And towards the end of the first year is when it all started to hit. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, here's that depression. Oh my God, here's that anger. Um, and I found, personally, I found reading books about grief and loss really helpful because it was like, oh, this normalizes my experience. Like, this is why I'm so angry. This is why I'm so depressed. Like, this book is telling me that it's normal to feel that way. So for me, knowledge is power and that's always the way I've been. Um, 
so that was my coping strategy with that just learning as much as I could about it um I guess one of the things grief and loss taught me was because I had it in my my house right like so my father lived in my house and then suddenly he was gone like it was unescapable for me whereas I feel like if it had have been a grandparent or someone I didn't live with directly I would have been able to go back to my house and pretend it never happened so we live in a society where we push emotions down especially deep dark emotions like grief so when you are struggling it's quite easy to go get distracted by your phone or by you know Netflix or by anything else but I found because my father lived in my house there was memories everywhere like I couldn't escape it like I might be able to escape you know the grief of someone who didn't live with me or even just escape uh, like having a bad day and coming home and, you know, drinking a wine to distract myself from that. Um, so it pretty much forced me to sit there with my big heavy emotions and process and feel and cry and let it all out because pretty much my only escape was university because at university I could go and no one knew who I was and I could pretend I was anyone. So I could pretend I wasn't Kiara who was grieving her heart out. I could be my, I could be this alternate version of myself and kind of get through the day without, you know, having to talk about it or um, anything like that. Although that felt fake in itself, but that was a bit of escapism for me. Um, so my point here is that instead of dealing with these big heavy emotions, like I had of with, everything else in my life which was just push it under the rug and hope it goes away and then it'll be fine um just distract myself and it'll be fine which it usually never is it'll come up in another way in another shape in another form but it's still the same emotion to be processed because you've avoided it but so that this is what I learned at this time was that processing your emotion will help you so that you don't have to deal with it again in future so being in my house, I feel like I had no choice, really. I had to process that emotion because it was right in front of my face. You always have a choice. You can always choose to avoid it. You can always choose to feel into it. Um, but for me, it was just so much in my face. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to face this. Going to have to cry if I need to cry. Going to have to lie in bed all day and not get up and just feel really depressed if that's what I need that day. Um, and luckily. I had the space to be able to do that if I needed to. Um, but this, so this I found really helpful because instead of dealing with it, like I dealt with everything else in my life before that, I tackled it head on. We get told that, you know, bad emotions you should not feel and you should not sit with and, you know, no one should be sad and everyone should be happy. But being able to sit in the midst of like the horror show that is grief and loss sit with that depression and really be there cry it out as much as you need to that's going to help you move on that's going to help you move forward you don't have to move on like I know people would get probably a bit triggered by that like I don't want to have to move on you don't have to do anything but by processing your emotions you're going to allow yourself to essentially master your grief and be able to move through your life in an easier way. So by being able to process my emotions, that meant that 
two, three years down the track, even though something might upset me, I feel like it didn't upset me to the degree of other people around me who maybe hadn't processed their emotions and they were getting quite triggered by things again. Um, it's not to say that everything wasn't a trigger for me anymore. There were still triggers. There always are. Um, even when you think you're completely over something, something new will pop up and you'll be like, oh, hey, that's affected me. Um, but it was just, it was, in a way, it was freeing because I could sit in the horrible feelings and then after a few days I would find a way out of them. I would journal about it. I would cry about it. I would process and I would be creative about it, put it into something. So for me, I, I ran the slideshow for my husband's funeral and I had a lot of photos that I made into photo books and things like that. And that was a way of being creative, channeling my grief into something positive that I could keep with me at all times and like adore forever. Um, but it also helped, it like helped release what I was feeling. And then I could kind of move, move forward with, you know, what do I need to do now and who do I need to help now and all the rest of it because I'd actually sat there and processed it. So I think in society we get told not to feel our, our emotions because it's bad or you don't want to put someone else through that dealing with you upset or whatever. That's not fair. But we should be feeling our emotions because that is the way to clear something. That is the way to move forward. And when we don't process uncomfortable things, they stay with us. Um, as Carl Jung says, what we resist persists. So what we avoid, it'll come up in another way. It always does. It's grief and negative emotions in general are like a beach ball, right? You've got a beach ball, you're at the beach, you're in the water. You're only trying to push that beach ball under the water and you're pushing and you're pushing and it's pushing back because it's got that air that just wants to bounce back up and you've pushed it under the water and you're like, I got it. And suddenly it'll just slip and it'll pop up over here and you'll push it back down. It'll pop up over here. That's the way people handle their emotions in society. They don't process. They just avoid, avoid, avoid. And then it'll just keep coming up and suddenly they'll be like, I'm really depressed. Why is that? oh, maybe because we've never processed any emotions and it's just built up to this whole giant mountain all of a sudden. Um, so grief and loss taught me to sit with my feelings, even though they were uncomfortable. And when I sat with my feelings, I often came to realisations like, oh, I've got a lot of anger right now. Why is that? It's because I expect people to treat me how I would treat them. And maybe is that an unrealistic expectation? Maybe it is. Maybe I shouldn't have these extremely high expectations of people because when they let me down, I'm going to get very angry at them. Um, and it, like sitting with your emotion gives you the truth of that emotion and gives you the why. Why has this come up? What is it trying to teach me? How are we trying to move through this? Who am I as a person, really? There's so much gold you can get from suffering and trauma. As horrific as it is to go through and how much I would never wish it on anyone, um, suffering will teach you the most important life lessons. Suffering will grow you 10 times quicker as a person than having a cushy life ever will. Unfortunately, I think that's why we have to deal with suffering on this 
on this planet is because there's always a silver lining and there's always something to learn. Even in the most horrible situation, like there's no way anyone could learn anything from that. Maybe it's just strength. Maybe they just learned that I am strong enough to deal with this and I can handle anything. Which brings me to my next point. So I went through a, a depression phase of my grief where I was lying in bed and I just I couldn't get up and I couldn't do anything and I would just stare into space for hours on hours and just in my mind, tick, 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 tick. And that was probably my lowest point that I'd ever been in my life. Um, and I was journaling and I was crying and I was not crying and I was numb, numb out to the world and distracting myself and all the rest of it. Um, but what that situation taught me, it was like, okay, this is my rock bottom, right? But this rock bottom is actually not as bad as it could be. I could be a lot worse right now. Um, I could be, you know, it could, it could get worse. And then I managed to, by sitting with my emotion and by processing and by writing it all out and talking to counsellors and whoever I needed to speak to, um, friends, beautiful family, um, I was able to pull myself out of that. And the process of finding your own rock bottom and then rebuilding yourself is magnificent it's like a whole what's that animal um phoenix story right it's like you've crumbled into the ashes of depression and then you've been able to pull yourself back out of that and so it gave me this inner strength that i'd never had before in my life and so no matter what challenging situation i kind of come up came up against after that i was like you know what i've been through grief and loss i can do this you know what, I've seen my rock bottom. I've seen how bad it can get for me and I survived. So it's empowering to know that I can do anything. It kind of gave me this new lease on life that no matter how hard it gets, I know how to handle that and I can survive it. And so I can go do this big, scary thing. I can go, you know, work in this industry that I've always want to work in that I'm terrified to work in, but I have to give it a go because, you know, that's my dream. It was just so much courage that came from my darkest hour, my darkest place, just by processing that I hope all of you get to that point at some point in your life that you're just so empowered and you're so strong that you know you can survive anything. No matter what rocks you to your core, you'll make it. Um, another thing was that I had my spiritual awakening during this time. So I don't know how spiritual you guys are, but I am quite spiritual and this will come up at some point in this podcast. Um, I've always had an interest in like what happens after we die. And I guess this just um, exacerbated that times a hundred because it was like, what, what happened to my father? I want to know. Like, And so this kind of started me on a journey of questioning things and trying to find out why and trying to find out answers. And you'll never know what happens in life after death. It's like one of those rhetorical questions, but you can try and find out and you can see what's, what agrees with you and what doesn't agree with you on a body level. Um, when you're reading through information, it, does this sit right with me or do I not, not feel this, this is for me? And everyone will have a different way of, you know, 
belief systems and things that they agree with. Um, and I respect all belief systems. But for me, it was, yeah, I want to know about the spiritual aspect. I want to know about what's going on. I want to know, like, is my father still around me? Is he a guardian angel now? Like, how does that all work? You know, all of those things. But with that also came questioning um, my own processes and my own way of thinking, like, these people have wronged me, I'm really angry, but, you know, is this grief anger or is this, like, justified? Like, questioning myself as well as everything going on around me. Um, and this was the real doorway into my growth and into me becoming the spiritual person I really am today. So what a better way to honour my father than to show him all the ways that I've grown from this situation as much as I wish that he could have been with me and stayed with me for the last 10 years. If it had to be that way, which I have now accepted, then, you know, I'm going to grow and be the best person I could possibly be in his honour, you know, to show him that, you know, I'm going to do the best I can regardless, you know. You gave me a great start in life and I'm going to continue that for you, essentially. Um, and finally, finally, the biggest one. So I'm sitting there depressed in this room and I'm like, what is the key to happiness, right? Like, what is happiness? Like, we all say we want to be happy, but is it material possessions? I don't think so. I don't think it's buying the fanciest clothes and the fanciest house. That's not going to do it for me. What is happiness? Because I'm sitting here right now thinking that, you know, Nothing could get any worse and I don't know the way forward. And when you're in that depression mindset, it can be really hard to flick the switch over to happiness. Like it's not going to happen as quickly as I'm explaining it right now. But when you are sitting with that emotion, you're processing and then you're releasing. I think that's the key as well. Like a lot of people can get stuck in their emotions and, and their thoughts and their negative thinking and then just get stuck in this loop. You want to be able to sit with your feelings process acknowledge what they're trying to tell you about you and what you're trying to how they're trying to grow you or what they need from you and then you want to put it into a creative or release it in some way as well and then try and okay now that I've released I'm going to go back to trying to you know live my life as normally or whatever because when we get stuck in that dark heavy place that's when we kind of need extra help or we need like a therapist's opinion or something like that on top of everything else you want to be able to sit with your emotions and I give myself 24-hour rule right if I've had something bad happen or I've gotten broken up with or something like that I sit and I cry and I eat ice cream and I'm just like not a great version of myself for the 24 hours, like I let myself be however I want to be for those 24 hours, mopey, moody, all over the place. And then once the 24 hours are up, I go, okay, like I'm not going to just shut off this motion altogether. It's still going to be there. I'm still going to allow myself to feel it down the track if I need to, but I'm going to try and pull my, rein myself in a little bit and, you know, stop eating ice cream and, you know, just try and do something that I enjoy that looks after my soul like go out in nature or go for a walk or do something positive for me to help me um but yeah back to happiness right I found that in the midst of my grief and loss in the midst of my 
upset. The way I found my way back to happiness was through gratitude. I was really lucky to have a therapist at the time who said to me, do a gratitude journal. Every night I want you to write three things that you're grateful for. And to some people that might sound like, oh yeah, whatever. That's probably not going to help that much. But it did. It really did. It was probably one of the most amazing things anyone ever told me to do. Because even on those darkest days, you're sitting there going, what am I grateful for today? There's always something to be grateful for. Always, no matter how bad your situation is, there's always something you can find, whether it's just the fact that I am still breathing, right? I survived today or I survived 2021 Um, or I have a roof over my head. I have food in my belly. Like there's always something to be grateful for if you dig hard enough. It might take you a little while if you're in a bad headspace, Um, but all you need is three things and then that's it. And so by being grateful and trying to bring that into my life, I found that I felt better. By focusing on what I had as opposed to what I'd lost gave me a sense of peace. And I decided to apply that to my entire situation. And so I was like, yes, losing my father at 18 is horrible and feels wrong. And like I've been, you know, I've been, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not fair, you know, but I had a great father for 18 years and that's a lot longer than a lot of people get. Some people get a terrible father for 80 years and which would I prefer? And I said to myself, you know what, I think I'd prefer a great father for 18 years and I'm grateful for that time we had together. I'm grateful for the lessons he taught me, um, how much he loved me, how much he gave me. And even though we couldn't have more than 18 years, I'm grateful for that time. And gratitude became my key to happiness because when you're in a state of gratitude, it's almost like you can't be in a state of depression at the same time. They're two different mindsets. They're two different vibrations. And so whenever I was really struggling, I would try to come back to gratitude and try to come back to I'm glad my father was in my life for the time I had him. Um, So give it a go, give it a whirl, see if gratitude works for you as well, because it was just life-changing for me personally. So yeah, I think that's that's pretty much what I've learned from grief and loss and my experience. Um, Like I said, it's been 10 years now. Um, It feels like it's gone really fast, but really slow at the same time. It's really weird. Um, and yeah, I'd love to know what have you learned from grief and loss? What are you still learning? What are you going through? Um, because grief and loss is a big one. It changes your life. It changes who you, your identity changes who you are. Um, and yeah, I hope this podcast has helped you in some way. If you are grieving at the moment, I want you to know that those, those beautiful silver linings are out there. It just might take some time and some processing of dark emotions, but you'll make it. You'll make it out the other side of the fire and you'll be stronger than ever. You'll be a diamond in the rough. (laughs) Um, All right. I'm Kiara Jade and this is the Heal Your Heart, Heal Your Life podcast. Um, We'll be back soon with episode two. Farewell.